Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Sending me uh, 50 squats, the gym was packed. So, yeah. Yeah, that was probably Willie Mason that uh, threw that one up. I'd say something like that. Yeah, mate, you uh, must be uh, you must be stoked that the uh, iPhone didn't exist back then. 100 percent, mate. I think a lot of boys uh, back in the day are happy that they weren't around. Bit of George Costanza with the uh, shrinkage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> she was coming down in the gym in winter. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today I bring to you part one of our interview with former Bulldogs Premiership winning halfback Brent Shifty Sherwin. This is one that I really enjoyed. A really smart halfback, a really underrated guy. Came along in what I call the golden era of halves. Came up against some of the best halves we've ever seen. And Brent Sherwin, to some extent, he was the forgotten man. But won his premiership in 2004, did amazing things throughout his career. I've spoken quite often on my podcast about how I believe Brent Sherwin has the best short-kicking game we've ever seen in rugby league, and I will always stand by that. He he was simply incredible. On this episode, we talk about his childhood. Uh, we talk about him coming through the junior grades. We talk about the apprenticeship that he served at Canterbury. Uh, he actually played on the wing and reserve grade. Uh, Terry Lamb said, look, I'll give you a shot at seven if you can prove your worth out on the wing. So he played out of position. He got into first grade. He talks about playing with guys like Ricky Stewart, Bradley Clyde, um, and he didn't get to play halfback straight away. He moved around 5'8", fullback, uh, played a bit of hooker, sort of moved all around, and he refers to it as his rugby league apprenticeship. And Brent Sherwin talks about how kids nowadays, and this is something I talk about when we talk Sam Walkers, when we talk Joseph Sawalis, he mentions that these kids... They don't serve a long, enough, a long enough apprenticeship. They don't spend enough time in reserve grade. Uh, it was a really interesting chat. Shifty also touches on how he just loved playing eyes up footy and we're not seeing enough of it anymore. Uh, we then go through his career. We get to 2002 where the Bulldogs, they are on a run that Rugby League will never forget. 17 wins in a row and then the salary cap drama hits and just a gut-wrenching moment for Brent Sherwin. Really interesting to hear him talk through that. And then we start to head towards 2004 where things get really interesting. You'll hear all about that in part two coming next Tuesday. Let's kick it off. A poor one. Picked up by Sherwin. Here's a chance for the Bulldogs. Nobody in front of the halfback. 
Shifty, welcome on. How are we, mate? Good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, all been going really well, mate. I saw that last season you were doing a little bit of work with the Canterbury Halves. Have you still been doing that this year? No, I actually uh, haven't been involved this year. Trent's a halfback, mate, and he's he was a good player in his day, and uh, I wish him all the best. Uh, hopefully down the track, mate, I can get involved, but at this stage, mate, it's uh, I'll be uh, watching it like everyone else, uh, hope, hoping they do well. Mate, they've certainly done well over the last few weeks, at least, or months. Uh, a number of big names arriving at the club. It's the first time in a while that the Canterbury system seems to be on the up. 100%. They've, uh, they've recruited really well. So a few key uh, key areas that we were kind of lacking a, a little bit. Um, yeah, they've really bought well, and hopefully they all uh, gel together and, um, yeah, play some, play some eyes up footy, mate. That's what, that's what I want to see. Mate, the first question I want to ask you, the nickname Shifty, uh, for some of our younger listeners, where did it come from? Who coined it? Just uh, a few mates just gave it to me. Um, mainly uh, Corey Hughes. Yeah, just stuff I did on the field and, and off the field. Um, they just thought I was a shifty bugger. So that's where it kind of came and then it just kind of rolled off your tongue. And yeah, now yeah, walking down the street a couple of times, like someone yell out Shifty, I think it's a mate. But, uh, yeah, Bulldogs fans, uh, it's, uh, it's quite good, actually. And, mate, they're one hell of a fan base, aren't they? Love it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, one of a kind. And uh, hopefully uh, they get behind the boys this year and really uh, give them a good push and uh, give them some confidence. And uh, hope, hopefully they know they've got the backing of the fans. Mate, before we get into your career, I did have a Canterbury fan that sent me a message this morning, uh, one of your proper fanatical fans, and he um, he hasn't given me any context to this, so I hope it's uh, I hope it's relevant. He, he told me to ask you about the time you saved a bit of money by doing some naked squats. Is there a story here? <laughs> I hope there uh, is, because I've gone all in on it. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of truth to the rumour. Um, no one else had done it, so I quickly ran down and me uh, 50 squats the gym was packed so yeah yeah that was probably Willie Mason that uh, threw that one up I'd say something like that yeah mate you uh, must be uh, you must be stoked that the uh, iPhone didn't exist back then 100% mate <laughs> uh, I think a lot of boys uh, back in the day are happy that they weren't around bit of George Costanza with the uh, shrinkage yeah, that's right. She was going down in the gym in winter <laughs> mate uh, take me back to the start of your Junior footy, uh, where, where did you grow up? I uh, grew up in Mulpera, um, just in a, well, in a west. Uh, played for St. Christopher's. Yeah, just played there for uh, over 10 years. And then I kind of just went through the grades with the Bulldogs. So Matt's, Matt's SG Ball, Cheese of Flag. Then I did, did my apprenticeship, mate. I did uh, a year in um, reserve grade on the wing with, uh, with Terry Lamb. He just said, if you... If you do a job for me on the wing, I'll give you a go at halfback next year. So I did kick goals. So I was kicking goals back then. And then um, he gave me a shot the next year. And nine games later, I played first grade. Can I ask you, mate, coming through Howard Matt's SG ball, uh, you know, I assume you wouldn't have been the fastest half around. There would have been other guys with, you know, probably more highlights to their game. Did, you know, was it hard for you coming through? Um, actually, I wasn't too bad back then. I was a lot quicker than I was. I'd, I had a hip operation in 2004 yep. after the grand final and they I had to get an arthroscope done and um, a bit of the bone in the joint chipped off and it was digging in so I had to get that cleaned up and then I just couldn't lift my leg my leg wouldn't come up as high as the other one 
Yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't get, I just lost all my pace. Uh, I wish I didn't do it, but then again, I was in agony for about 18 months because we didn't know what it was. So my right hamstring felt like it was going to tear and up being my left hip. Mate, tell me about Terry Lamb as a coach. I mean, I imagine as a Canterbury junior coming through in that area, he would have been an absolute god to you. 100%. I looked up to him for years and he was he was the most easygoing coach and if he just he just said, yeah, if you think it's on and you back yourself, do it. Like, if, And that's kind of, I kind of use that through the rest of my career. Folks, he was a little bit the same. He tried to be make a little bit more structure out of me, but I couldn't. I just played what what I seen in front of me, and that's probably what we one of my best uh, best attributes was. So the boys kept saying, "We'll have a little bit of structure, but then you can go off on your tangent if you want." But yeah, now Bar was good, mate. Just training was fun. He's always been cheeky or tripping you over, or you just had to be careful where he was because he'd always try and do something to you. Mate, I imagine that period where you were playing on the wing for Terry Lamb, were you were you a bit nervous during that period that, you know, you were obviously playing out of position and we see we see so, so many guys come through first grade at a certain position, then they sort of end up in that utility sort of role and it can really it can really ruin a lot of careers. Were you nervous about that at all at that age? Uh oh trying to me chance just to show them what I could do at halfback. So I just these days I think no no one does the apprenticeship anymore. They kind of you're good enough, boom, you're straight in there, and you got the you got the fans, and you got the coach, you got your teammates, and I, I think the too, a little bit too much pressure. Um, I see Villani's going to put the the three grades in, in again. I think that's going to be fantastic for the young kids coming through 19, 20. That's when I think you should start making your debut, and you've played reserve grade against older first graders. That rough you up a little bit because it wasn't easy in reserve grade. It was it was tough. So I think that's going to be great for the game, and I think it'll be good for the young kids to get a get that get the big hits, and then they can move on, do their apprenticeship, and move on to first grade. And by then, you've played some really tough teams, and they've worked out what position you're best suited. And then you go into first grade, you know your job, and you you worry about that. It's one thing that really worries me in the modern game, mate. You see all these kids that are 17, 18, they've got these unbelievable highlight packages of them playing kids their own age and they're tipped to play first grade so early. But the reality is they haven't tackled an adult yet. Like, it's it's a huge jump, isn't it? 100%. That's like the 18s, it's 18s to first grade. That's, that's a massive jump. Like, there's some kids that are 18 that are more developed than the other kids. Like, you, you can't. That's why the reserve grade, I think that's the best idea I've heard. I've, I've been calling it for years. Who, who didn't lo- love going to Belmore and sit on the hill and watch 21's reserve grade, first grade? That was, you had the whole day and it was it was fantastic watching all, and you knew all the players. It was great. You mentioned obviously being under Terry Lamb, um, you know, one of the best five eights we've ever seen. You were lucky enough to come through the Bulldog system, and they had a pretty handy seven at the time. Of course, Ricky Stewart has made it, had made his move from Canberra up there. I imagine, as we said, Terry Lamb would have been one of your idols growing up. But I'm sure Ricky Stewart, with his kicking game, his long passing game, I'm sure he would have been right up there for you as well. Yeah, mate. He was. Uh, he was. Uh, he was fantastic, actually. Um, he got suspended for two weeks, and that's when I got me start. So I thanked him for that. <laughs> Um, but then when he came back, they moved me to 5'8", 
which was great. And then I got to just what he does on the field, and and just I just try and learn learned off him like everything he did. So he gave me one tip. He just said, I just want you to know what what time it is to score. Look at your forwards. Are they tired? Kick it out. If they're not tired, keep it in. And then what kick is best suited for that situation? And I was, and I kind of ran through that and kept it my whole whole career and made it work work wonders. Mate, he's uh, he's no stranger to giving a good spray, old Sticky Stewart. Did you ever get one from him? Uh, actually, well, he was beside me. He was probably getting sprayed as well from folksy, so that wasn't too bad. But no, nah, he uh, he told the forwards where he wanted. But he didn't, yeah, he just, everyone just respected him. And that's what, like, he was a class player. And um, he's even, he's gone on to be a great coach as well. So, um, yeah, no, he knew his stuff, mate. Mate, you mentioned Steve Folks there, God rest his soul. Uh, tell me about when he, you know, gave you your first, first grade jersey. You mentioned that Ricky Stewart was obviously out suspended. Did you know once he got suspended that you'd be the next man up? No, I did I didn't actually. I I was hoping, um, but then, yeah, yeah, folks, he called me in and uh, told me, and um, he goes, I'm not going to tell anyone until later in the week because I think they put, um, I think they moved, they had moved Glenn Hughes into that position just to throw him off a little bit. Told me to play how I've been playing in reserve grade, and he said, just support the forwards. He said, that's all I want you to do. He didn't give me a massive game plan. He said, I just want you to kick in the corners and um, defend. And just steer the boys around, and we got the win. So got to meet Pi the first game. So I didn't score many. So that was uh, quite a good get off the, the golden duck straight away. Run me through that try, mate. Yeah, just support um, Dennis Scott. He ran behind behind the uh, like a Anthony Watmow line behind the the markers, and I just pushed up on the outside, and he gave it to me, and um, they scored under the sticks, mate. And uh, then you got Darren Smith running over and giving you a hug, and I'm just going, "Hey, it's this. You can't beat this." Having a look at this side that you made your debut in, and I, I, I think it's a, a pretty underrated factor in your career because you had so many good ones around you. But you're a pretty handy goal kicker. I'm having a look at this side: Halligan, El Masri, Daylight, then Sherwin in the goal kicking ranks. Two pretty handy kickers. Yeah, yeah. I didn't uh, really need to <laughs> to do any. I used to try and um, practice with Hazem a couple of times and try and beat him. So. Yeah, no, they they Chuk was Chuk was unbelievable. He just looked like he was baking a cake as he kicked the ball, and it just never missed. And it, it was one um, it was one plus every time we scored a try, ninety nine percent out of a hundred, we'd have an extra two points. Oh, mate, it's a huge advantage when you got guys like that in your side. I I, I think it's even more relevant uh, in the modern game now. Yeah, I think. Um, Goal kickers should be doing a lot more, I think, because two. Well, actually, Kyle Flanagan's a really good kicker, so that's going to be a massive plus for us because we haven't had a de- like a not a decent a, a regular goal kicker um, for the last few years. So, can um, start striking it like he was last year. I, that'll that'll help massively. Mate, we mentioned uh, Ricky Stewart you played with uh, in your debut season. Obviously a great from Canberra. There was another one in that side, Bradley Clyde, uh, one of the most underrated forwards we've ever seen, in my opinion. Tell me about Clyde. I just couldn't believe that he could bet back for the first run after a kick, after a kick, like every time. Like I was, I was, I was handled, I was jogging back, and there's Clyde running back past me, and I was just like, you're a freak. 
he just loved it, mate. He was just a, he just had the best engine I've seen. One of the best engines I've seen. He he just did not stop, even when he was like he was, oh, it would have been early thirties then. Yeah, he was still going, mate. I reckon he could have played on after he retired, mate. He was uh, he was working at the club, and he was down there on the bike just sweating it up. He he loved he loved it, and he was built like a brick shit house. Oh, he was solid. Well, mate, scary to think, like, when you're playing with him there, I mean, 10 years earlier, he'd already won two Clive Churchill medals. Just, like, an incredible footballer, you know, as a back rower as well to do that. Unbelievable. Yeah, 100%, mate. Mate, he was a class player, and he uh, he got all the awards, mate. He was, yeah, he was he was up there with the best, and he'll always, he'll go down as a lot of people's favourite. Let me ask you this, mate. You mentioned before that, uh, you know, you were best playing a lot of unstructured football. Do you look at the modern game now and think that we're putting too much structure around young halves? Like, are you glad that you came in when you did? I actually have had a chat to a few people about that, and I don't know where I'd be, to tell you the yeah. truth. Yeah. Um, I did, I've been working with the juniors. Oh, I had been working with the juniors last, like, uh, six years, five or six years, and just how the coaches want the structure all the way from, from 15s on like that was that wasn't like like we had a little bit of structure you'd have the two or three plays get to a position and then have a look but now they're just play play for play for play for play and i yeah i don't know if it would work for me I, i'm not sure but there's still some players out there like luke curry i love how he he looks up and that's what i used to do. i used to get in a dummy half or first receiver i'll be looking up the whole time and oh it's on here in you go we're not not so many people do that anymore. They they kind of they've got a like they've got a plan, um, a set plan, and they do that plan. No matter what the defense does in front of them, like if someone leaves a hole, they still hit out the back because that's what that play was going to be. And that's that's not how I played. I used to tell everyone, I'll say, be ready for it because it's coming. Even though I knew I wasn't passing it. But I knew that forward would be running 100 miles an hour at a gap and he'd be ready and he'd sell it. When they call the big plays now, I don't think they're not 100% into it because they know it's going out the back. Uh, that's, yeah, so I, I think I'd struggle <laughs> For sure. in short. It's funny though, mate, like if you would have come through in this era, realistically at the age of 14, 15, you would have had all of that drilled into you. I mean, and I, I you know... There are a lot of natural young footballers around, and I think, I think they literally just get it coached out of them. Unfortunately, it's and oh, it's it's a disaster, really, because they, you know, there's not many genuine sevens in our game anymore. They're all, it's just a completely different game of football now, isn't it? Hundred percent, hundred percent. You're exactly right. They are. It is drilled out of them. So, and if they don't do the set plan, they kind of they get in trouble. And I'm just take my head a little bit like and but they're getting told from other people to that's what they want so it's kind of not the coach's fault per se like it's yeah it's, it's all a handful I think there's a lot of lot of people's input where I think if you're a Matt's coach you're the coach it's on your shoulders you play how you want to play you've got certain certain um, like moves that they all you can teach all the way through the grades I think that's a great idea but I think it should be just on the on the coach's shoulders to do what they can do. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. They go well, they stay. If they, if they don't go well, then they try someone else. Was there a moment in your early career, I mean, your first two or three years, or even in your first few games where you sort of, like, it just hit you in that moment where you went like, fuck, you know, this is first grade now. Was there a tackle? Was there a run? Was there, you know, a spray from someone? What What was that moment where you went like, Jesus, I'm in first grade now? I think it's because I was trying to catch my breath the first, like, four or five games. It was it was a bit quicker than, uh, than reserve grade. I think it's the hits. It's like, you had to be exactly like if you wanted to go through a gap you need to be precise where you where you run and if you miss skew a little bit someone will come out of your blind side and just chop me in half i remember matt rua snapped me in half one day and i just went like i had sore ribs for a week and i just went oh, i won't run near him again <clears throat> run near him again so but he uh yeah I, I think that was it i think it was just the big hits and how quick it was mate you mentioned before uh that you did your apprenticeship uh, in the first grade system, like oh, I'm having a look at uh, your numbers here. I mean, between 99 and 2001, you played 50-odd first grade games. You only played a handful of them at halfback. You're coming off the bench. You're, you're playing at six, a few at halfback. Tell me, where would you have been if you didn't have those three years of sort of, you know, warming into first grade? Because 2002 comes around and you're, you're handed the keys to the Canterbury Bulldogs. Tell me, how, how important was the three years leading up to it? Put you the confidence so when you actually get your your jersey, you you got you've been there, you've done it, you've done it for a few years. You like I played hooker, I played half, like you said, five eight. I think I had to go up fullback. I I got thrown around a little bit to find kind of find out. Like I just kind of filled in, but when I actually got the keys and I'd played with all these boys for a number of years, confidence in me and I had the confidence in them, and then we just kind of went, we just went forward. So without those couple of years, like you don't kind of build your, your combinations up as well. So I think that's a massive thing. So just, yeah, it's just, I think that's a massive thing. Like I said, I keep going on about the apprenticeship. I think the boy, I think the younger kids need to, to do more of apprenticeship. Um, there's a couple of clubs that bring them up for a couple, send them back for a couple. I think that's a great idea. Like change, change their position, positions in reserve grade, see how they go and then bring them up and see how they go in first grade. If there's injuries and stuff like that, I think that's a great idea. But just throwing them up there and just giving them the keys straight away without actually making a dent in first grade with what they've done, I think it's it's a little bit too too soon and too much pressure. Another guy that you got to spend some time under who, you know, I think he's one of the most entertaining blokes we've ever seen. I'm I'm good mates with his young bloke as well. And, you know, some of the stories are unbelievable. Daryl Trindle, uh, he could just do things that not many others could, couldn't he? No, he was good he was good, mate. He was there for a couple of years. So uh, yeah, played play with Triggy. Yeah, half or five eight. We, we used to swap around a bit. Mostly, I came off the bench when he was playing well. So I'd get in a hooker, and we'd work well together. And Braith was there as well. So we had a good little combination going there for a while. And um, yeah, no, he's uh, he's called called Triggy for a reason. Yeah, he could pull some pull a rabbit out of the hat. So no, he, yeah, he was, he was a good player. 
Now, mate, as we said, 2002 rolls around. Uh, you're handed the keys. You're the seven in this team, and it kicks off one of the wildest roller coasters of three years I think rugby league's ever seen. Uh, Canterbury go through the absolute highs, the absolute lows, back to the absolute highs. 2002, though, kicks off with a loss and a draw in your first two games. Sort of unprecedented what happens after that, isn't it? Just got on a roll, really. So we had a really good bunch of guys. Like, we all got along. We all had a beer together. We all went for lunch. We all – it was a really close-knit group. And I think that's what a massive part of it was. Um, and I, we got to thank Folksy and, and all the, the coaching staff that made that happen because we used to do stuff – together as a team all the time, golfing or whatever. And we just put on a roll and it just didn't stop. So, like, I think, uh, what did Penrith get 17 straight as well this yeah. year? Yeah. Well, that's a that's a massive achievement. And, and it's lucky that they had to lose the grand final to break their, their 17 straight. It would have been nice to make it. Um, yeah, it's... A few people have asked and I, I just... Didn't we didn't realise we'd won 17 straight. We kind of didn't worry about it. Like, no one used to look at the papers... It wasn't on Facebook like it used to be, like like it is now. So we kind of just just worried about our game coming up each week. And if we won that, good. We weren't going to get flogged. <laughs> so we were all worried about getting flogged on the Monday if we lost. So we just kind of, we just kept winning and winning. And before we knew it, they were talking about um, 17, 18 straight. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Didn't even notice. I'm just having a look at your, your score sheets from that season. And I mean, like, there's no games that, you know, you score under 20 points. There's no games that you score over about 46 or so. You, like, just incredibly consistent that you, you were essentially always scoring 28 points or above. And, you know, if any team's doing that, yeah, it's it's hard to lose, isn't it? Well, I see, I didn't even know that. That's, um, yeah, we just kind of, we knew each other's plays. We, we were structured, like, to an extent, but we also played what was there in front of us. And I think that was a massive key. Everyone supported everyone. The kicking game was on and Bray's kicking game was on and I had some good chases out there. Like, Hazen was one of the best chases. With, um, like, well, I had... This is how... I had Hazem, I had Nigel, I had Luke Patton, I had Braith. And I had I had five, probably five of the best chases and your kickers is only good as your chases. So, that helped as well. But we just... I don't know. Everyone knew what was everyone was doing before it happened. It was, it was kind of it was uncanny, really. I don't know. Yeah, I can't put it into words, really. Mate, tell me about Nigel Vungana. He's a guy that you know for for those peak three or four seasons, he was just untouchable. We talk about like pure centres. He was one of those guys. It was just you just needed to get him the ball early, and he could just make something out of nothing, couldn't he? Mate, you hit the nail on the head. That's my centres and five eight. Like, there's no point in me taken two or three steps into the fence because the defense can take four or five steps and it gives gives me outside backs no chance with the ball so I used to catch pass which I don't see enough these days I reckon and then you give them the ball like they're first grade players they know what they're doing and Nigel and he was that quick he didn't like training but he was that quick on the field he was unbelievable and he, him and Hazem had a great combination going on the right side and then you got Willie Talao and um, I think it was Gav Lester on the left side. And like, mate, we had a we had a great back five, and that was um, coming out of trouble and and scoring tries. They were the best. 
Now, mate, we mentioned before about the roller coaster, and here you are. I think you, you'd won 16 in a row or so, and I believe you go up to Newcastle to play the Knights. Um, I believe Newcastle are leading 19-0 at halftime or 20-0, something around that mark, and Canterbury comes back to win the game. El Masri kicks the goal from the sideline. Yeah. Mate, that... that that afternoon was incredible. That's that's a that's a rugby league moment that you know rugby league fans will simply never forget. An unbelievable game of footy, mate. Yeah, absolutely, just annihilated us in the first half. We just had no answers for him, and that's why he's uh, one one of the immortals, not ninth immortal, I think. And man, yeah, we just didn't have an answer. And then we finally we walked in. Like folks, he didn't blow up or anything like that. He just said we we've had no ball. We've had no ball in, in the good half, in their half. He said, just bide your time, turn them around, keep kicking, keep kicking. They're going to make a mistake. I don't think they made a mistake in the first half. So then the tide t- turned a little bit. We got a bit of good ball. We ended up coming over the top and Hasm's kick will be, it'll, it'll go down as one of the, the best goal kicks. That one and Darrell Halligan's in 98 to, from the sideline to oh, against Parramatta. Those two kicks will be talked about forever. But I guess now's a better time uh, than ever to talk about it. I mean, you know, that day you come up against Andrew Johns. For me, I look back at your career and I think, like, Christ, you came up against some handy halfbacks and five-eights in that area. It really was the golden era of halves. I mean, Joey, Freddie, Lockie, Gower, Orford, like, you just came up against some of the all-time greats. I mean... I know that you never played Origin. Do you look back and think if maybe you came along five years earlier or five years later, it could have been a different story? Uh, five years later would have been nice, so my, but I kind of it brought the best out of me. So yeah. playing against, like I used to love playing against Joey. I used to love going to Brisbane and playing against Darren Lockyer. Um, Craig Gow, I played against him all my juniors. He, he's a, a good mate. And I just, I just love playing against the, the tough sides. It would have been nice. I got the jersey. I got my name on the back of the jersey, but I just never got to put it on and run out in the field. So I was a bit not upset, but I would have loved just to play one or one or two or even one series to, just to test myself. Um, but I never got that uh, got that opportunity. But um, yeah. oh well, <laughs> can't do much about it when it isn't a ninth immortal in my position. So. Yeah, um, in saying that though, mate, like I believe it was the 2002 season. I I think Joey only beat you by one Dally M point that year or something, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he only beat there a couple of, yeah, one or two points. I can't remember. Yeah, no, I was, I was close. So, but um, yeah, no cigar, mate. I was, so, but yeah, he he was a great player, mate. He had it, had it all um, from defence to running and to organisation to given good sprays for his forwards, so uh, he was the best. Mate, obviously, uh, going back to that moment, El Masri kicks a goal. Joey's throwing his mouth guard all over the place. Moment we'll never forget, and you'd know the timeline better than me, but I believe it's over the next week or so that the salary cap dramas start to leak. Is that right? Um, no, nah, we'd, 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 we'd... Who was it? We'd played Parramatta on the weekend. We'd yep. already lost to New Zealand, I think a couple of weeks. I think it was Newcastle, and then we lost to New Zealand. Played Parramatta, and it came out the Sunday. Because I, I remember it, mate, because I was going in on the Monday to talk about a contract extension on the Monday. Right, yeah. And it yep. came out 
came out in the paper on the Sunday. So they called me and said, don't come in. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Come in. Come in for training. That's about it. We've got, a, we've got some, uh, some stuff to sort out. And I didn't know what they were talking about because I wasn't looking at the papers. And then, yeah, it all came out. And then we played the Canberra the following week. We lost 42 to 40, something like that. Something ridiculous. Yeah, okay. So you win your seven in the row. I haven't looked at it now. You lost to the Warriors. Then you knocked over Parramatta. Then you came up against Canberra. Mate, tell me about, you know, when you did get called in that day, what were the emotions surrounding that moment? I imagine it must have been brutally difficult for you. Yeah, it was quite, yeah. I lost my stomach, mate. I didn't know where to look or what to say or what to do. We all did, all looked at each other because we don't know what we're on. No, None of the boys knew what each other was on. Um, it just, just one of those things, mate, that we, uh, yeah, one of those things that hierarchy, nothing to do with us playing on the field. I, I, like, I, I think it should have been a fine. Like, it's not our fault that they were paying to play different players. But then again, the sour caps there for a reason. It's, mate, it's all, all different things. It was just gut-wrenching, mate. I was to play that well for so long and put my heart and soul into it to have it rip, ripped out from under us. It was, it was quite heartbreaking. Mate, I had Brett Finch and Brett White on the podcast earlier this year, and obviously they had a similar experience at the Melbourne Storm and yeah. said that the emotions in the room... You know, there was blokes crying. There was blokes getting angry. There was blokes ready to, you know, punch on with each other. It was just an array of emotions. And you've also spoken about how, how gut-wrenching it was at the time. But that next training session you all had, what, what what was the vibe around that training session when you were playing for nothing, essentially? Sure, it was three quarters of them were, were hung over because we all went and had a beer. <laughs> so, um, mate, it's... It's just a weird feeling, eh? We we got on with it, and we like we ended up nearly beating Canberra, and we played terrible the first half. I think we were losing thirty eight to to six at half time, something something ridiculous like that. But it was just a feeling, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm trying to think back, mate. I haven't got the best memory. It was just I just remember it was gut wrenching, and we all just looked at each other and just said, "What the? F- this have happened? Like you, this is bullshit. Like we didn't do anything. We're just playing footy." It's a part of the football club, and we both got penalised. A few weeks later, the Roosters play the Warriors in the 2002 Grand Final. You know, two sides that you'd beaten on your run that the Warriors did knock you over. Uh, you know, at the end of that run, they ended it. But was it a was it a bittersweet night? Sort of watching that game, knowing that realistically, you guys probably should have been there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Would have been would have been nice to be there, but. To be honest, mate, I didn't. I didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I think I, I think I went away. I think we went away. Um, all the boys, we went away somewhere and had a game of golf and had got on the drink and tried to forget about that and worry about the next year what we're going to do. Uh, mate, it's obviously an experience that can make or break a club. And when you return to the two thousand and three preseason. What's the feeling around that? Is it, you know, is it a redemption story? Uh, you know, is there is there still anger towards the club and, and the people that made those decisions? What's the feel? I was bored. Rip in and give it a good go. We 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 should have won a premiership last year. We were the best side all year. So let's get it this year. 
So that's that was our main focus. We didn't we didn't worry about the club, mate. There was a few people that that actually were involved got sacked. Good people that shouldn't have been sacked that got dragged down with it. But yeah, we just worried about the only thing we could control was our game, our footy game. And we just worried about that. So we ripped into training, mate. We folks and Scotty Campbell absolutely flogged the crap out of us and we were fit as a fiddle coming into the season and I think we finished one game short yeah, for the grand final. I think we, the Roosters got us the week before the grand final. And mate, you go through a pretty uh, purple patch yourself in the middle of the season. I'm just having a look here. I mean, there was eight weeks. I think you won seven games. You scored eight tries yourself. You you said earlier that you didn't score many. You, you were doing all right for those few weeks. Oh, oh someone might have stuffed up. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember scoring eight in a row or seven in a row. That's yeah, it's unheard of. So I actually got more satisfaction out of setting them up, mate, really, yeah. to be honest. I'd, every time I got in the clear, I wouldn't be thinking I'm going to beat the the fullback on the outside or step him. I'd just I'd look for support and give get like get the easy pass away and go and celebrate with the person that's actually turned up in, in support to to get the try. That's I just love love that mate. Love looking at the try assists. That's that's what I enjoyed. There's one game, and I believe it's in this season. You'll probably know better than me, but it's it's up at Suncorp Stadium, and and for me. That's the best game I think I ever saw you play. It was just Brent Sherwin playing off the top of his head, and it was just everything you touched turned to gold that afternoon. Did I score two? I think you, you did. Yeah, you scored two. And there's a play that you do down the short side where you sort of wrap around your center and and, and then you put your winger over. I've got the highlights ready to put on my Instagram page, so I might have to put it up there with them to, to remind everyone. But it's one game that I remember. I think you put in a kick, it, it, it hit the post, and then you regathered it to score as well. It was just it was just eyes up footy to its absolute best. I think I'd know the, the games. There's actually two games that you're talking about there. The yeah. one that I wrap around with Maddie is when we, I think we won 46 to something, 18. And it was 18 all at one stage. Um, Luke Patton scored three that game, I think. Yeah, right. That's that's the good thing about our, our side. Like, I didn't, that wasn't planned. Like, I just got out of dummy half. Lockyer was on the ground. So I knew they were short on the left side. So I jumped out. I beat Tony Carroll at marker. I gave it a Willie Tonga. And I wrapped around him. And he just stepped off his left. Passed it, drew in his player, and then the winger come at me, and I just catch pass, and I knew Matty Utah'd be there because good wingers they they're pushing up, and yeah, we end up getting the win from that. So, mate, later in this 2003 season, you play the Roosters in the in the prelim final, and the Roosters knock you off that night. The Roosters put together one of their best performances over those three years, and by this point, match up between the Roosters and Canterbury. It's personal now, and in my opinion, the Roosters lose the grand final the week after because they put absolutely everything into knocking off you blokes. What do you remember from that game? I remember that was one of the hardest games I've played. Yeah, and I we have well, I have uh, we have spoken to a couple of the Roosters about that game, and they were just like, but they were sore. Like that that was sore for that game. We absolutely flogged each other, and like you were right, they the Roosters won the O two grand final because we weren't there so that just started the rivalry from there they were a good side mate that's and they got us on the night and and then Penrith yeah just just knocked them off but they were a good side too Penrith they were a great side arrive in 2004 and 
I mean, it's the start of something incredible for the club and, and for you guys as players. Tell me, what was the difference between 2003 and 2004? Did it did it have a different feel to it? Was there a little less emotion like that was so raw off the salary cap season? What, what, what was the difference? It was a little bit less pressure because everyone was expecting us to come back in 2003 and win it after not winning 2002, yeah. So I think there was a little bit of... Not not heaps of pressure, but everyone kind of we had to have a good year because we deserved it, kind of thing. But you don't deserve anything in footy. You've got to go out there and play. Uh, but 2004, I remember we we had a it was a big clean out because everyone took a pay cut from 03 because of the salary cap, and there was a heap that moved on uh, for 2004, and then we got the likes of Willie Tonga, Rennie Matua, Sonny Bill Williams. Um, Roy Asatasi was he'd played for a few years but he was hitting his straps so we had these young kids coming through and it just kind of made all the older guys feel a bit younger and um, we just went from there Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. 